I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast. Every Mum the Podcast was created for one reason, to get honest about parenthood, about the realities, the joys, the surprises and the fears, the moments that form us and the ones we don't hear people talk enough about, which is why we are so proud to partner with Water Wipes as our sponsor for this season, as they share this mission with us and are such an essential brand for every mum. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes containing just two ingredients, 99.9% water and just a drop of fruit extract, water wipes are purer than cotton wool and water and also the proud winners of three National Parenting Product Awards 2020, including Best Baby Wipes. During the early days as a parent, everything is uncertain, but choosing the right wipes shouldn't be a worry. With no artificial fragrance, soap, silicones or colours, Water wipes are suitable for sensitive newborn and even premature skin. Together, we are committed to providing more reassurance for parents with trusted products and this podcast, helping us to all take those important steps towards greater confidence while building a community of support for every mum. As a mum of two and another on the way, Dr. Laura Lenehan knows all too well the anxieties and everyday concerns we go through as parents. But as a GP... She has knowledge, information and insight into what we all need to know. In this episode, we talk about how she balances her own anxieties as a mum, knowing the risks and things that can go wrong, and how she is helping parents through Instagram and her website, Dr. Laura GP, from antenatal info to the coronavirus, contraceptive to bringing your baby's temperature down. She is giving every mum access to key information so we can feel more empowered and follow the right medical advice. With only a few months left until baby number three, we talk about being outnumbered, her pregnancy well-being, skincare for tired eyes, and balancing medicine and motherhood. Laura, thank you so much for joining us on Every Mum the Podcast. Thank you for having me, Sinead. I'm delighted to come down to Galway and to see you here. Yes, it's nice. Um, Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm looking forward to exploring it and seeing a little bit more. So how are you? 14 weeks to go. Yeah. Baby number three is on the way. I'm good, thank you. Uh, tired, as anyone who follows my Instagram will know. Uh, but apart from that, yeah, no, I'm feeling great. How yeah. has the pregnancy been going? Um, it's been going great, to be honest. Um, I have been blessed in pretty much all of my pregnancies. I've had complications, um, but I've never not felt okay. I haven't suffered with nausea or anything like that. Relatively small babies, so I've never really had any complaints which I think is brilliant to hear because often we do talk about and everywhere you know you do hear about kind of the tough stories and the challenges and stuff I think it's really it's a really good thing to hear really happy stories really seamless stories really normal kind of every day everything went fine stories yeah well that's the way the world works isn't it and certainly in the medical world it's the people who unfortunately have bad experiences that are, you know, are heard the most and people who have good experiences don't really talk talk up. Most people will breeze through pregnancy and have absolutely no issues. It's only a few that will have complications or, or issues. Have you noticed any difference on any of the pregnancies so far? Do you know what? I haven't. They've all been the exact same, pretty much. Exact same. So you're expecting, so this is, you've two girls already. Yeah. So are you assuming then because of the exact same number three is going to be a girl? Good question. No, because you don't know because it, it doesn't. Yeah, I don't. I don't 
believe. As a doctor, are you really tempted to find out? Yeah. So we did genetic testing. Okay. Because of my age. So we didn't do any testing with Harper. Um, what age were you with Harper? I was, oh God, uh, 20, 2016. I was 34 with Harper. And I suppose we didn't do it because I knew I wouldn't do anything no matter what came out in mm. the gen- genetic testing. And even That was kind of my decision too. Yeah. And even if I... If I was to do something, you couldn't do anything in Ireland. So there was no point in in getting it mm. done. With Indy then at 20 weeks, she was really small. So both Harper and Indy were small for gestational age um, throughout my pregnancy. So I, I've had a lot of scans in all my pregnancies mm. and I've been very well looked after, but never really suffered myself. Um, so Indy was really small for gestational age at the 20 week scan. So um, my obstetrician recommended doing genetic testing at that stage because she was worried about um, trisomy 21 or Down syndrome. So we did it with Indy. Um, that week was one of the hardest weeks of my life. So what happens? So it's just a blood test. So it's called the Harmony test. Mm. Um, and basically from about nine or ten weeks onwards, baby's fetal cells DNA will be circulating in your blood. So they take a sample of blood from mum and it gets sent off to a lab in London and they check baby's DNA for certain chromosomes. So they look at um, chromosomes 13, 18 and 21, which are the most common um, abnormalities. So mm. Edwards, Downs and Patau syndrome. And then they look at the sex horm- the sex uh, chromosomes as well, X and Y, mm. to see if there are any abnormalities there. And it takes about a week to get the results back. Um, so I knew if I was... If I answered the phone call and the secretary was on the end of the phone, I could breathe a relax. of relief versus if my obstetrician was on the phone. So it was the secretary. So everything was fine. Then with the third baby, I'm a bit of a worrier, I suppose. Um, and I was not getting on in years. I mean, I'm, I'm still relatively young, I suppose, having a baby 37. But as a doctor, I suppose you're very aware of what can and will go wrong. Mm. And the risk of Down syndrome increases significantly with age. Um, So I think for peace of mind, for me this time, I really just wanted to do the genetic testing. Um, So we did it at nine weeks and it came back fine. Um, But so they do the the sex as well. well. (laughs) And we said we didn't want to know. But they did it just in case. So there was a big hoopla when I was in with my obstetrician then as to whether I was going to take the notes or not. And so eventually they decided to just remove it because, and I shared it on my Instagram stories, the the chart was in front of me and I knew it said <laughs> there. And I was like, oh my God, I don't want to know, but it's really hard to not look when How you know did it's you there. How did you do that? I handed it back, handed it back. Yeah, and then they took it out at the next appointment. Were you so not tempted? I would have been. Yeah, I would have been really tempted. Even though I really don't want to know, Ross, every now and then is like, maybe we should just find out. We moved house lately. Just for preparation Just for stuff. preparation. Because I love, I really like having that first outfit picked out, right? Yeah. You know, the really cute ones. And I've had really, well, I really like them. Bright yeah. and colourful ones for the girls. And the neutral stuff was just a bit boring. And the boy stuff was so cool, you know. And the girl stuff was so pretty. So I just wanted to kind of know when Ross was like, if we were moving house and we knew we were having a boy, we wouldn't need these 50 million boxes of clothes. clothes. That over here. Longer. I love the practical man I, thinking in that. Yeah. But I, I just want to keep it a surprise now, I think. Um, and I don't. So I've gone totally off tangent there, which is probably going to happen loads. But it's perfect. I, um, 
don't believe that the old wives tales mean nothing, right? There's nothing behind any of them, unfortunately. I remember someone sent me the chart, you know, based on the oh, day. Oh, the Chinese the, year and yeah. I, and you do, you do them all though. Absolutely, you do. And Which is really like, funny because there's a really, 50, yeah. 50-50 chance. But also, if you really want to know, there is a way to find out. Absolutely. But yet we're obsessed with doing all these little all these things. All these other things. What about the way you carry and things like that? Nothing to it. No? No. No. I hate to break the... Or be the bearer of bad Because I was told all the time that I was carrying a boy. Oh, Everyone that looked at me was a boy, a boy, a boy. Even in the hospital, I remember a doctor, I was going into, um, I'd had a back injury a few years ago. So they were assessing my back mm-hmm. for the epidural just in case I needed it. And it was like maybe 32 weeks. Like it was a good, mm-hmm. good duration out. And somebody just turned to look at me and said, do you know what you're having? And I said, no. And he was like, I bet it's a boy. Which I found like also really strange. Yeah, people do weird things. When I don't. Pregnant. I don't know you, um, but it happened all the time that everybody was saying I was carrying a boy, and, and it was a girl. Penny. So it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, there's no nothing behind it. As a worrier, as you yeah. said, you are a doctor. Yeah, and you do come across all of the things that I mean, your job is to make people better after something has gone wrong inside them. Yeah. So I'd imagine that, you know, it's very easy for you to go down those rabbit holes because you, unfortunately, you do get to see things that are happening to everyone around you. Absolutely. And even where you said there about, you know, you knowing the instances and the the rates of X, Y, and Z and really understanding what's happening in those um, tests. I'd imagine in pregnancy where our anxiety levels are higher anyway, stuff is going on for you. Yeah, I... Oh, God, my first pregnancy with Harper, I I was a disaster. I ended up in the early pregnancy unit three times before 12 weeks. Why? Just anxiety, pretty much. I think I, I, no one really, and even as a doctor, no one prepares you for the normal pains of pregnancy. Okay. So any pain is a problem pain. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And nobody talks about round ligament pain, you know, the stretching mm-hmm. pain. I didn't know anything about that. Mm-hmm. And I'm a GP. I, I should know that. I've done, you know, abs and gynae training. But you don't learn about that until you go through it. Okay. No one teaches so it. So why aren't they teaching it if it's know. so normal? I don't know. If everyone has it. I guess there's only so much you can do in medical school. And there's okay. only, only so much that you retain in medical school as well. And then when you're training as a GP, you do, say, four months in Obsangaini. And it's very much what we call a service job, which is you're needed. You know, you're all hands on deck mm. and there are jobs that you need to get done every day. And that's what you do. So you don't necessarily get a lot of time in antenatal clinic. And even if you do down there, no one's talking about their own ligament pains or this pain or that pain. Because there's no medical solution to it either. Exactly. It's just kind of put up and shut up, you mm. know, when you've so little options with what you can take. Um, so I just found it really stressful and I think the hormones really got to me um, and I wouldn't be, you know, we talk about hormone sensitive people. I mm. wouldn't consider myself a hormone sensitive person. The pill never affected me. I never really suffered much with PMS, but boy, oh boy, do those pregnancy hormones. Uh, How? They just, they just destroy. What went on with I, you? Know, I, like, I get really emotional, um, Ross. Can attest to this <laughs> all the way through or at the all beginning the at the beginning, particularly I got really anxious in the beginning. And I think in the beginning, particularly the not knowing, you know, and the not, two week wait, the, the two week wait, the six week wait, the 12. I ended up getting mm. a private scan like at six or eight weeks with Harper. Um, and then I did bleed eventually, eventually, I say, because I, I felt like I was waiting for this to happen. Mm. 
Um, at 12 weeks, I bled and Ross was away. And as you said, which is where the question started, um, I suppose my mind went to the worst thing. Of course right? this, it did. Was, this was the miscarriage that I knew was coming because mm. miscarriages happen that you all were the preempting. time. One in four. Yeah. You know, mm. you know, we had been lucky enough to get pregnant, you know, easy. I was like, something bad has to go wrong here. And uh, I, I rang my parents. <laughs> I'd say my dad thought I was a crazy person. He was like, I'm on my way to Limerick. Do you want me to ring an ambulance? What's happening? <laughs> and uh, my mom came up and brought me in and, and everything was fine. I had a bleed. I've had a bleed on both Harper and this baby. Um, and because it was my first, I went off work. I went off work sick mm. because she was like, I was due to start peds the next day in A&E and peds, which would have just been manic. And she was, my obstetrician was very kind and considerate and was worried for me, I suppose, knowing that I was basically a crazy person and <laughs> I would be afraid of everything that would happen. So I went off work until the the hematoma. It was it was a large enough hematoma um, just outside the placenta mm. kind of um, until it settled down. And it did in about maybe eight weeks or so. It, it had all um, and is dissolved. That, is that a normal thing Super that can occur? Super normal. Like, yeah. And again, something that isn't really spoken about a mm. lot, I find. So bleeding in pregnancy is hugely common. Like just last week and one day I had two different patients presenting with the same thing, you know, um, and nobody talks about that again. So and, and that's what I try to do on Instagram, mm. right, to just normalize this stuff so that we don't freak out when it happens that we know. Oh, no, wait now. Laura mentioned that and that can be normal. And I'm not going to freak out and assume it's something, you know, I'm just terrible. Wait. Don't yeah. jump to the worst case scenario all the time. Absolutely. But it's so hard not to. I, I really struggled with that on, on this pregnancy. I bled when I was in Spain. At about seven weeks, maybe. Um, old blood. It was brownish in color. And I was like, <laughs> I, I, I was convinced it was a missed miscarriage. OK, so mm. that I had miscarried because I had a little bit of pain. And then I, I had this bleeding and um, Ross honestly thought I was crazy again. And I didn't put anything on Instagram because I just wasn't ready and I didn't want to come across. Nor should you have to. Yeah, no. And But I, I recorded stuff to put on later because I really thought that this was what was happening. Um, so when I came back, I did tests and thankfully everything was OK. But your mind just goes to the worst, you know, places. And I think as it, you know... I'd love to be carrying on oblivious, you know, so, mm -hmm. but I also think that's really hard. So I talked about mis miscarriages a lot on Instagram and the amount of people that had never heard of them and that went in for their 12 week scan and were told, I'm sorry, baby didn't develop past eight or nine weeks. Oh my. I mean, the devastation. Absolutely, like complete devastation. And I don't know what's better to, to worry about it or to not know. It's probably better to worry about it than to not know. But I think um, every woman in that situation is worrying about it. And in my experience, like knowing whether it's like friends that are midwives or friends that have some form of medical background, mm. I've seen that the worry is just much more heightened. Yeah. Because I was oblivious to half the absolutely. stuff that could be wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas I know every little thing I worry how could that, could that be this? Could that be this? You know, and not just, I suppose, with pregnancy, but with all aspects of your life as well. You know, your your mind automatically goes to the worst. In, in pregnancy, I suppose, and say labor and birthing, the issue is as the doctor, we wouldn't see the normal deliveries. Okay, so they'd be mm. dealt with mainly by the midwives. By the midwives. So I would be called in when there was an issue. 
When okay, there's so a problem. When, yeah, exactly. So when something was going wrong, that's when we would come in. So that's my experience of it. I don't have a huge amount of experience of normal births. Um, so it's it's very much a clouded view, I suppose, mm. as well. Um, so were you, how did you experience your normal births then? Was it Were you surprised then almost because <clears> you're like, oh, there isn't a problem? So I had elective sections on, on both of my kids. Um Again, both were, well, Harper was really small as a baby. So at 26 weeks, was she less than the fourth centile? Mm. Um, she, grew, she grew towards the end. Um, but I suppose my obstetrician had me booked in for a section and then gave me the option and I went for it. Um, my experience of vaginal births, again, is not a pleasant experience because of where I come from. So I okay. come in when there's trouble. Um, Do you think that formed your decision yeah, or influenced 100%. it in some way yeah yeah 100 percent. i was scared okay yeah i was scared to have a vaginal birth i don't really have hips i was just i just thought about all the things that the could, what could go, go wrong. wrong yeah and i knew because baby was small harper was small um small babies small babies that are small for gestational age don't do well with um you know with problems in labor so I knew she would section me at the slightest yeah problem yeah and I think laboring and going through an emergency section is probably one of the difficult most difficult things you can do I think it's the most unfair thing absolutely you know and I I didn't want to be in that yeah. position so I made I made the decision to go for the elective section now some people will judge based on that each to their own if there's a concern as as there was yeah Go for it. But also you shouldn't feel judged for your decision. You're a doctor who had real genuine concerns. Yeah. And you took the advice. Yeah. Yeah, I I did. I guess it's a tough one, isn't it? Because we do over-medicalize. But as a doctor, I'm never not going to over-medicalize. I can't do it. It's just not in me. It's part of you now. That's that's who I am. So I'm going to, I suppose, a private obstetrician. So seeing a doctor every time also over-medicalizes it. We over-medicalize it. That's what we do. Mm. But for me in the situation I was in, knowing how I would worry, that was the right choice for me to make. I kind of wish I had gone down the midwife route and just had a normal delivery. But I, I would have worried too much, you know, and I thought if baby number one was plain sailing, then maybe I'd go public the next time and sail through. But that wasn't to be, and you know, so that was the ro- route I chose. But, it, it, you know, the advancements in birthing are just you know huge in in recent years and, and people give out about us over medicalizing it but I don't know what the statistics are but how many women died in childbirth and labor in in the past like Too huge many. numbers and huge numbers mm-hmm. of kids so you know we're doing something right that would be the way I would look at it more importantly I think it's about reassuring the mother in that whatever decision she's making is the right one for her because she's feeling supported through it People often message me and ask me, can I choose mm. to go for a section? And again, I agree with you. If you're really worried or there's a medical issue or whatever, I think you need to sit down and have that discussion with your obstetrician or your provider, healthcare provider, and, you know, explore your concerns and see what you can come up with. And also, though, accept that it is a massive surgery Absolutely. with its own risks. With huge risks. And like... You know, I I took that risk, huge risks to you and huge risks Mm. to baby, more so than with the vaginal birth. So you have to be willing to accept that as well. Now, I, I, 
I suppose, and I get that question a lot as well, like how was your recovery? I I breezed through my recovery with the C-sections. I really didn't have a huge amount of complications. I lie actually, I, in, with Indy I bled, I lost about a, a litre of fluid and my blood. I had a, a tough time in the delivery. Mm. Uh, blood pressure dropped and uh, Indy had to be taken. Um, so I didn't get to breastfeed her for about an hour after she was born versus with Harper. I think I breastfed her Straight within away. 25 minutes. Mm. Yeah. Um, so and I had a drain in after surgery and that was tough in the initial period. But afterwards, again, you know, and it's I think it's all about having a positive mental attitude mm. as well. I think that makes a huge difference. That's to what gets recovery. you through. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I probably have a good pain threshold, maybe some, you know, and I think just trying to think of it, everything in a positive way really makes a difference. Except for those emotions oh. in pregnancy. <laughs> so what else are you experiencing um, in this pregnancy? In the, in the, th- the that emotions. is making you crazy oh, yeah. in pregnancy. In, uh, oh, it's just, I think it's the hormones, really, the, the emotions. I get really upset I I think it's having young kids as well right and the sleep deprivation is one yeah. of the so I say some things to poor Ross in the middle of the night that I shouldn't say ever you know and he knows I don't mean them that it's the middle of the night and that I'm awake for the 50 millionth time you know you love um, him really just not necessarily the situation the you find yourself in I'm, yeah hmm. um like I don't know what what is it with men and their ability to sleep through you know everything yeah like Harper was up sick last night and in the bed with us and Ross was just snoring as she just lay there freaking out about spiders you know I, men have just have this innate ability to sleep through anything people I mean I really love I hate those memes or whatever they're called but some of them are just so perfect and some the of one, them are spot on like just spot on you know especially parenthood mm, ones I mm, think mm. the one about forget about sleeping like my child I want to sleep See like my, my husband. husband like that just sums up life completely it must be that internal pulse in Absolutely. us though because we made them uh, yeah 100 and you know i suppose that's where having baby in the room with you for the first six months of, of life you know i respond even now when indy's in another room i hear when her breathing changes through two doors you know you're it's just innate in mm. you that you respond to them right um which is amazing i mean i just think that's one of the most special gifts in the world i just wish i could Tune it, it down off, a little like bit every now and then to get a bit. I'm more in a sleep. very lucky spot at the moment, whereby Daddy is actually who she's calling for at five a.m. Oh, wow! Which I didn't ask her to do it. Yeah, but no. she is nailing it. She's been oh, great. Yeah. yeah, like Harper will go to Ross now. So we moved house recently, and um, so we have a spare bedroom, and Ross will take. So she's waking up every night, and she goes straight back to sleep. But she wants to be with someone. So it used to be that it would only have been me, but mm. like she'll happily now go into the other room with daddy, which is great. Until she's sick last night, she wouldn't. No, um, if they're sick, they just want mommy. They want mom. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's nice. Like I remember someone telling me when the second comes along, the first will be all about daddy then, you know, because you'll be breastfeeding the first. Yeah. That never happened in our house there. Um, they still want mommy. Mommy. Yeah. So what happens now when number three comes along? I have no idea. How are you feeling about the being outnumbered? Sometimes I feel really okay about it. Like Harper's at a really great age. She'll be she'll be turning four not long after baby is born. Um, you can really reason with them at that age, mm. I find. She's, or bribe. Or bribe. Mm. Or bribe. Like mm. the iPad, iPhones, you know, Disney 
app, whatever. Anything you like. Fantastic. Um, she is really excited about getting a brother or sister, like super excited. She wants to know when the baby's coming all the time. So I'm hoping that is going to be a good thing that she'll, you'll be able to kind of reason with her to some extent. Indy then is a bit more um, precious. No, precious isn't the right word. I don't know what the right word is, but she, she's still very little. She's still though. Very little. Yeah. So she's just turned two and, you know, when she wants what she wants and when she doesn't get it, she's not happy. And I guess she has to be like that. That's she's putting. That's up what they do. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm some days I'm really excited and I think it's going to be no problem. You know, we've managed two and there was only 18 months between Harper and Indy. So that was that was busy. That's like, very that's short. Babies. Yeah. So that means kind of being pregnant around eight or nine months. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that that's tough as well with a, a newborn, like or with a really young baby yeah. at home. Um and work. And work and everything. It's yeah, life is busy. Like, but that's okay. I've made these choices, so I have to mm. be okay with that. Um so yeah, some days I'm fine with it, super excited. And then other days I'm like, just bring on the you know, craziness. Because it's bound it's bound to be crazy, right? I don't even yeah. Good but to relax okay. into the crazy, though. Yeah, I think you just have to go with it. And for me, I suppose getting them all out in a short space of time was really where I, I wanted that, to getting go. them all out. <laughs> I didn't want to like, <laughs> I, know, I didn't want to prolong it personally. Yeah. Um, with age and work and everything, I just wanted to a condensed have them all close in, in age. Yeah. Family gathering. Yes. Yeah. No, it's really brilliant, and I'm so happy to hear that. You know, after those initial scares. Actually, you know, it was a really positive end Absolutely. and it wasn't something that you needed to be too concerned about. No, no. And I definitely, I'm pro- I definitely am more relaxed in this pregnancy. I still mm. suffer with it a bit, still get anxious, you know, and when it's coming up to the four weeks in between my OBS visits, I'm like, it's time to see the baby now again and make sure everything is okay. Everything is okay. You know, and I went for an early scan as well on this mm, pregnancy mm. and often that's something, you know, I would see a lot of anxious mums coming in to me um, and that's often, often something I will suggest to them to go for an early scan and give yourself that reassurance, you know, to know that everything is okay. Um, and that definitely works for me. So being on that side of the table, as you said, like being the GP who's seeing these women come in with, you know, and it could be a concern around a temperature. It could be concern about you know, SPF, it could be a concern about any of the aspects of just trying to keep your children alive, well and happy. Is that what kind of drove you to be like, well, hang on, I know lots of things that could really help break down some of those anxieties for women. Yeah. Is that kind of where the the Instagram yeah, yeah, world definitely. came from for you? Yeah. So uh, as a GP with, with kids that come in I actually spend most of my time reassuring patients I give very mm. little antibiotics I do very little for them I educate the parents on what's normal and what's not even if it's their third child you know sometimes just no one has ever sat down and said okay you need to be able to deal with this at home this is what you need to do this is what the temperature is there for they're supposed to get a temperature that's the body's way of fighting off the virus but our instinct is just to freak out and Absolutely. think something's wrong. And me too. And I'm a really bad parent if we don't go now to get some medical help. Because what if? Yeah, absolutely. And I problem. get that all the time. Ross is like, this is on you. Yeah. <laughs> we, we need to go to the GP. And I'm like, she's fine. You know, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Give her some calpol and she'll be fine. Mm. You know, um, And I think, 
So I get messages all the time from parents, which is just such a fantastic feeling to know that you've helped someone. So mm. to say, my child had a fever last night. I went back through your fever highlight and I managed it. And they're OK this morning. Mm. And we got through and I felt so much more reassured having that there. And that's what it's all about. Like if I'm on call, if I'm working on a Sunday and all the, you know, parents, they bring in their children. I pretty much give them a weight based dosing of their medication. I think that was something that I didn't because you you naturally you follow the packet, you Absolutely. follow the instructions yeah. on it. Yeah. And like that, I think one of the times that we took our daughter in and all of a sudden this chart was presented and I was like, hang on. Why don't they give that out <laughs> at day one? What's this? Yeah. And actually she was being completely underdosed. underdosed. Yeah. And it depends, I suppose, especially like, so I see some 10 month old babies that are the same weight as Indy, say, who's mm. two, you know, now she's slight. So... I would be giving her less actually than the dosing on the packet based on her weight. Say. Yes. But the majority or average weight and can can have more. And nobody knows about that. Um, and yeah. I just think it's such a fantastic thing because parents come in and they're like, oh, God, I gave her Calpol and it didn't come down. Then I had to give Nurofen and I'm like, OK, well, you know, how much of each of them did you give? And they've only had half what they can have. Yeah. And I'm like, look, of course, it's not going to come down. That's like if you only took one tablet of your paracetamol yes, versus yeah, two it's not for yourself. It's not pain. going to do enough. Yeah. You know, and, and people, I suppose, then are afraid to give them medications as well, which is, you know another issue that you have to deal with. But once the, you kind of empower them to realize what's going on and what's happening and why it's good to treat it, it makes all the difference. And I think like like as a as a mother watching the type of information that you're choosing to share, mm. it's such a valuable resource because the amount of times that like I'm learning, but I feel like, you know, you're sharing stuff that you know is incredibly practical that every parent should actually just know. Yeah, yeah. And even just last night with Harper. Yeah. Being sick. And so I shared what happened. And because for me as a doctor, when I'm learning stuff, I actually find it really, it really helps me to relate it to a, a case or a patient. And I'll think, oh, yeah, remember Pat that time and his bloods were a little bit abnormal. So I should have done X, Y and Z. And then that that's would have given us this what we what we need or that's how I should have treated it and it should have settled it down. So by explaining what I'm going through and what my kids are going through or other or other women's situations, I think it helps people relate and it helps you remember, you know, you're like, oh, remember that time Laura said now, what was that? And Harper's temperature was really high mm. and she needed to give both the Nurofen and Calpol first to get the temperature down. And then she went on to the every four hours mm. and that can help. What are the most kind of common things that women are asking you about? Um, good, good question. What are the, like, I, I'd imagine this is just kind of recurring or like asking. So if you're kind of putting out there, like, what information do you want me to share? What's, what are we in desperate need for? Um, that's a great question. Oh, my God, I've never thought about it. So loads of fertility questions all mm. the time. Well, it's I such did. an anxious topic for so many Absolutely. women. And is this first time fertility issues or secondary? Both. There's always mm. a mixture. I think first time primary fertility is more of an issue than secondary, mm. but certainly secondary is, is an issue as well. And I did a whole um, fertility week back in maybe September, October time. So I, I often just tell them to go and back and have a look at that. But they want to know, I suppose, because... Um, the age group that follows me on Instagram is the 25 to 45 age group. And they're all pretty much women like me trying mm. to get pregnant or pregnant or with young kids. So there's a lot of what can I do to help myself get pregnant? A lot of skincare questions, because obviously I talk about that quite a lot and I'm passionate about skincare. I love skincare. Um, I get asked a lot of 
kids health stuff mm. like real basic stuff um then i get all the random stuff as well <laughs> you know really specific personal questions that i can't answer um people forget sometimes that it's really not safe i suppose to ask those yeah, kinds you don't of know the full medical history absolutely and so the advice that I give t- has to be generic advice, right? It has to be yeah. broad, one mm, size mm, fits mm. all. You know, I'm never going to be a replacement for anyone's GP and, you know, and I shouldn't be. I think there's a real hunger and need for women like that to understand if you are having like fertility issues or even when you are in pregnancy, that it's like, what's going on in my body? Is this a problem? Is that a problem? Yeah. And really folk, like there's a lot of focus on on that and like really looking for and like really supportive advice, not necessarily just your facts and your figures, but just seeing. And I think that's why having somebody like you who's like you're sharing your third pregnancy, you know, you're explaining things that are happening to you as you're going along. You're explaining different scans and different visits. It just really normalizes Absolutely. it for everyone. And that's the big issue. Why? I don't understand why we don't talk about things. I like clearly I'm a talker. I never shut up. I, you know, but I just. I don't know what it is about women in Ireland that they don't want to talk about stuff and they're embarrassed by X, Y and Z. But yet they're turning to the Internet. I know. Yeah, they'll Google this, that and the other and get the most crazy answers. Yeah. You know, Google is, you know, oh, I should say this lightly. Google is not your friend. OK, unless you're getting your information off Google from a reliable source. Mm. How do you park all that, though? So if somebody, you know, if you're getting all of these are like help me with this and help me with that and I have a problem with this and I have a problem with that. I mean, you are a practicing GP, you know, you're on your third pregnancy. How do you fit all that time in in order to be able to switch off and kind of remove yourself from all of these people's problems? It's really tough. It's funny because I listened to the Aileen Cox um, episode recently. Baby Love Feeding. Yeah, Yeah. it really resonated with what she said about how she started messaging all these people back, okay? I message everyone and She back. feels like she owes them a response. Yeah, yeah, and that's... Not that I owe them a response, but, like, I I, I want to respond to them. Yeah. Because they're reaching out. I can't give the advice that they ask half the time. And mm. a lot of the time, my advice simply is, you know, if you're worried, please go and speak to your own GP. It's not safe for me to, to talk about this. But I have... Uh, I find it hard. I, I struggle to find the time to fit everything in. I tend to spend a lot of time on Instagram now because I feel that I need to respond. Mm. Um, and I don't mind doing it. That's not a bad thing. I, I, I like it. Does it get a bit it. overwhelming? It can do. And I don't know, like over Christmas, I really, like I was in the midst of a 12 days of Dr. Laura and I just stopped mid, I think day six. Because I just, it just all got too much. Yeah. I had to come back and finish that. But the other issue is I don't want to do something if I'm not doing it right. Um, is there a bit of perfectionist it, well, going on? Not even, not even necessarily perfectionist, just that you can't, I can't do it if it's not right. I can't put information out there that isn't mm. right. So it has to be. You have a responsibility. Be, absolutely. So it has to be right. Um, and a lot of my stuff, I know like a lot of people on Instagram plan ahead and have all these beautiful sketches. That's not me. I'm never going to be that far ahead of myself. Mine is really, um, what's the word? Uh, it's just, I suppose, what happens to me, you know, yeah. on a daily and sparks. basis. Oh, and sparks. that might be Absolutely. good information to share. Like the mumps came up and I got an email from the HSE about the mumps of the day. And I'm like, well, I need to cover that. So I said, I'm going to cover it later. But then I just didn't get time. So, mm. but people appreciate that as well. They understand, you know, when I get loads of messages, they understand that I'm 
working full time and pregnant and have two kids and doing Instagram in my spare time. My Instagram might as well be a full time job on top of my already full time job. So I, I, I'm still struggling to find that balance. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because I suppose at the beginning, like I love it. I, I thoroughly enjoy my Instagram account. I love connecting with these people. I've helped so many people, you know, which is just an amazing feeling to be able to empower these women to help mm. themselves, you know. Um, so I really enjoy doing it, but it certainly has. I suppose I've been pregnant for a lot of it and, and have young kids. So my life has changed in recent years as well. You know, um, I don't go out as much. I don't have babysitting. Like my parents babysit a lot for us during the day. So we don't like to ask them to do it at nighttime. So, you know, I'm doing nothing else most evenings, so I might as well be watching TV and sitting on my phone. Um, but it, it, there definitely is a fine line mm. um, that I have yet to master. As you said, you're not there as a replacement. No, absolutely. To immediate yeah. medical care. Yeah. If there is a genuine concern, go and seek that medical absolutely. care. 100%. Yeah. You yeah. are a resource for information so that we can understand yeah. what's going on. Exactly. And no, like, I think that is to know when to seek help, to know what you should be able to manage at home and when you should be seeking help. And I think that that alone, if, if people just got that from my page, that would be amazing. Tell me about then the skincare passion. Oh, I don't know. I don't know where that came from. It's funny, isn't it? Because I am not into makeup. I'm not into the beauty side of things. Um, and I don't even know where it all started from. Like, I'm a sucker for nice packaging. <laughs> and I think that's... <laughs> So that's so, what drew you in. I think that drew me into skincare, okay? The lovely looking skincare that you buy in the boots and mm. Brown Thomas. But then once I became a doctor, I realized that's all. Uh, it's all the marketing of it. It's the marketing, yeah. right? The products actually don't do yeah. anything. And it's so about I, the science in the yeah, bottle. Yeah, exactly. That's what's so important. I think that's what a lot of people don't understand really about it or or maybe they know a little bit about the actives and they think oh that there says it has vitamin c in it so mm. that'll be good but actually it's got the tiniest little bit amount of vitamin c and it's not going to do anything i thought you might ask me about this and i was trying to work out when or where it came from i actually don't know mm. just over the last few years i've really um become interested i suppose in the science behind it and I don't wear makeup, so I like my skin to look mm. as good as it can. Um, and I really just started to learn all about the actives. And I just kind of went down a rabbit hole, I think, researching. And I did all my research thus far online. I've done a few courses now. Um, but it's just kind of grown from there. And I find the skin is such an, like, it's our largest yeah. organ. Yeah. We don't pay any respect to it. No, we treat it pretty badly. Yeah, the majority of people. Um, and... You know, there are so many different skin concerns that affect people so much, like acne, psoriasis, her, you know, hirsutism, excess hair, you know. And the confidence um, things that knock on from that. Like I, I'm doing a, a certificate in, in dermatology this year and the, the stats relating to um, psoriasis and how badly it affects people's confidence compared to diabetes and um, epilepsy, you know, are huge. They're staggering. And we just, GPs, I suppose, don't really... Like dermatology takes up so much of our time, but we've very little um, teaching in it and training in it. So most people do extra courses and most people, I suppose that's a more clinical side of things. Mm. But I just, you know, so say if we take acne, 
most GPs will give you a prescription for an antibiotic or a pill that will get rid of the acne, you know, for, you know, maybe forever, but maybe just for a short period of time. And then we don't really think about what they need after. So they need tretinoin, you know, they need drugs to keep it at bay for the rest of their lives. But their skincare alone can make so many changes. Like the course I did last week with Obagi, you know, medical grade skincare and the results that they got for acne without any, now technically it's medication on as a topical. Mm, but it's topical. Form, but without giving antibiotics or the pill was just huge. And I just think to be able to offer that to people is amazing so that they don't have to take antibiotics or endogenous hormones, exogenous hormones. Um, you know, there are so many kind of opportunities out there. And I also just think, do you know what I actually think? Uh, so actually, probably what did it? It's all these friggin' lines on my forehead that have come <laughs> since I've had kids. Like the aging, the aging yeah, escalates like, yeah, pretty rapidly with kids. Like yeah. I just got, like I had nothing. I had nothing because you're then, in, a, in your constant state of shock. Yeah, you know, and, and furrowed brows yeah. and. Um, like after Harper, there was one and then two in such quick succession, they've just multiplied. And I was like, well, that's not going to do, you know, because I, I look at my mum, who has the most amazing skin. You don't see a wrinkle on her face. And I'm like, what has she done? And what? And she hasn't done anything. She just has great genes. Mm. But I haven't been blessed with the same genes, it seems. I really don't think um, that's true. Well, no, considering skin, you don't wear any makeup, your skin looks yeah, no, my beautiful. Skin is, my skin isn't bad. No, absolutely. But I think it, I think it must have been the lines on my forehead that yeah. really got me into it, I suppose, because I wanted to know what can get rid of these. What can I do? And I, I suppose I went down a, a retinol vitamin A rabbit hole then. And then that kind of brought everything into play. And that can make just such a difference to people's skin. So tired mom skin. What do we need? Um. Oh, God, sleep. <laughs> if you can't get okay. that. That's not an option. If you can't get that. What can Every, I buy? Everyone needs retinol, okay? You don't need to, sp you need to spend money on a couple of things for your skincare, I th I think. That's my personal opinion. And, and from looking at it, the, the reason the stuff that you buy over the counter in the drugstores and things is cheap is because it hasn't got the... The, 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 the ingredients, active ingredients you need. Yeah. So it's all about understanding your active. So vitamin A in the form of retinol or tretinoin, which is a prescription drug, is the bee's knees and will pretty much treat everything and anything. Like it transformed my skin. That and the introduction of an acid. Um, so like glycolic or salicylic, depending on your skin mm. concerns. So salicylic, more so for acne and glycolic, kind of for everything else just transformed my skin, the difference in them and being pregnant, you can't use retinol. And then I just notice such a difference. So I think, you know, my advice to people is SPF as well, of course. Mm, mm, mm. So 50% of the damage that the sun will do to your skin is done by the age of 18. 50%. Isn't that scary? Isn't that scary? And I don't put um, SPF on my kids, but you kind of nearly Not feel like you should. Yeah, you know, like I do in the summer yeah. months. But the problem is it's there's UVA and UVB rays that cause uh, skin problems or aging and burning UVA for aging. That's present in the sun in the in atmosphere all, all year long. So we need to be wearing SPF to prevent aging all year long. I'm very bad with SPF. I should be much better. And I like to just buy a product that has it in it. Yeah, but it's not good enough. That's not good. Yeah. No, it's annoying, isn't it? Yeah. So anyways, SPF, retinol. 
SPF, retinol, lots of water, sleep. Loads of water, sleep. An yeah. acid that suits what's going on for you. Suits. Yeah, and vitamin C then is the, and vitamin the C. most important, the other kind of important thing. They're the kind of, you know, throw out everything else. They're the four things that you need to have. Well, if I learned a lot, if I learned nothing else <laughs> from your Instagram or from meeting you today, it is that. So wonderful advice in terms of medical care. Loads of stuff just on how our bodies work as women, which I really, really value you putting up there, I have to say. I yeah, find that you. so important. Um, and who doesn't love skincare? I know. Yeah. <laughs> advice. Yeah, it's great. People do really enjoy it, actually, which is great. It's nice to pass it on. It, well, thank you for learning <laughs> it and thank you for passing it on. And thank you very much for joining me on Every Mum the Podcast today. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Best of luck in the next 14 weeks. Oh and I can't wait to hear your news. Oh, fingers crossed. Thank you. Thanks, Laura. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Every Mum the Podcast. If you want to hear more from Dr. Laura and our previous guest, Dr. Deirdre Lundy, then we have exciting news as Every Mum is launching a brand new five-part podcast series in collaboration with Bayer called My Contraception. Coming soon, its aim is to educate us all on our hormonal, reproductive and sexual health so we can feel more empowered, informed and can find the right contraceptive options for our life, health and family plans. Get in touch with us or today's guest, Dr. Laura GP, over on Instagram. And you could really show your support by sharing this episode on social, subscribing to Every Mum the Podcast, and by leaving a review. This series is kindly supported by Water Wipes. Water Wipes are an essential for every mum from that first nappy change and during those messy weaning months. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes, Water Wipes are purer than cotton wool and water and are proud sponsors of Every Mum the Podcast.